0: Welcome to Noise Creators Today I'm here with Pete Richko Pete is a super, super knowledgeable, insightful guy that you may know from working with Parkway Drive, Palisades, Falling in Reverse, The Ghost Inside, Bury Your Dead and all sorts of other bands He's killing it on the mix and mastering front and he's doing some really cool stuff and I think his knowledge really, really shows through we have a really interesting talk and talk about a lot of things that you haven't heard on this podcast before, and I think this is a pretty rad discussion. Check it out. Hey, one second before we get started with this interview. Noise Creators is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service, and we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that you share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at noise creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, We're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list, and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out, and please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. So what's your chain for recording your voice today?
1: Right now I'm going uh, through a pop screen mm-hmm. just because, you know, <laughs> no one likes to hear. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm going to a Rode NT2000 mic into a, uh, my favorite preamp ever, which is a Millennium, Millennia
0: Music Systems HV3C uh you you know what's funny i've used that mic pre a few times and have you really wow no one's ever heard of it yeah it's well you know jerry finn was really big on those and he was always my favorite and uh so i had a chance to try it god somewhere in la and i remember loving it and then i never oh my god dude it's it's
1: so it's so transparent it's like it's it's crazy it's
0: awesome i love it nice so tell me about your background in music
1: Background of music. Well, I uh, began playing piano at seven years old mm-hmm. um, at the behest of my parents. Actually, it wasn't really their behest. I actually, you don't hear this a lot, but I actually begged my parents to let me take piano lessons. You, you don't hear that at all. No. Somebody interviews musicians no. all day. No, no,
0: <laughs> you don't hear that at all.
1: Never. But the thing is, is I used to listen to my mom play and I was just like in awe every time she sat behind the piano. So I was like, I want to do that. I want to be able to do that, man. So I begged them. And, you know, of course, they were all about it. You know, and then uh, went on to high school where right around then I was somehow introduced to heavy metal. So naturally, I wanted to pick up the guitar. So I did. And, uh, you know, I I played that through high school and college along with piano, too. But I guess mainly
0: my instrument's keyboard. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, So... You're playing? Do you play in bands? What, 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 I do. What is, I do. Uh, so, so tell us about that.
1: Well, funny you ask. A lot of my bands have kind of fizzled out lately. <laughs> we just kind of don't have time for it anymore. You know, it's like it's crazy. <laughs> I play in a uh, Faith No More tribute band. Oh, really? That's pretty wild. Uh, oh, it's fucking awesome, dude. I love it so much. It, but it, uh, it, we it, haven't played a we haven't played a gig in like like. Shit, like a year. Mm. I mean, it's been a while. It's because everybody's schedule is so crazy. You know how it goes. Yep. um Once you start getting into work, it's like, oh my God. But um yeah, I play keys in that, which is just nice fun in the world, man. It's.
0: Uh, Angel Dust is one of my top 10 favorites of all time. So. That's the name of the band, actually. Angel oh, Dress. really? That's Rad. <laughs> <laughs> Love right. it. So. You're Playing at Bads, how do you end up becoming a producer?
1: Ah, well, that all started when I was recording in high school on my freaking little Tascam four track because you know, I mean, back in the day, there, what was the 90s? Uh, I mean, Pro Tools wasn't even heard of, you know. I think, uh, I think the first Pro Tools hit wasn't until uh, La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin, <laughs> yes, yes, back in the, I think that was like 99, mm-hmm. and this was like you know, 93 and four that you know, I was in high school, so. <laughs> my parents got me this little task game four track thing that just that records you know onto uh cassette tape <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yep uh, i i started the
1: same thing it's task oh, game four to seven dude. oh i hated that fu- <laughs> actually no i loved it actually because mm-hmm. i was like holy shit i can bounce tracks and make more tracks this is crazy <laughs> yeah i mean that was how i was recording my own stuff back back in the day and that's that's how it all you know, I and mean, here we are you know <laughs> That's nice. how it all started, you know. Um, I just loved the concept of recording and doing everything in my power to make something sound better. You know, it was yeah. That, that's
0: that's how it occurred. Uh, so you get that. So how do you end up getting to where you are today? Tell me a little of the story. Well, you know, it all started. I went
1: to I went to college for in- information science, which mm. is
0: a far fucking cry from
1: recording. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So uh,
1: you know, I. I wasn't happy and I told my parents, I'm like, I can't do this. This is, this sucks. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I do love math, mm-hmm. which, you know, that major was a lot of math, but I mean, I didn't love it that much. And I was at the time minoring in music, which I was way more into. So I'm like, mom and dad, I am uh, dropping out of college cause I don't want to do this. And they're like, Hey, we support you. So, you know, uh, let's see, like a year went by and I was like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta do something that I love. So I want to record. And so off I went to UMass Lowell Mm -hmm. for sound engineering. Man, looking back, like one of the fucking biggest mistakes I ever made. (laughs) Dude, I mean, I wanted to record and for some reason I'm like, oh, I have to go to school, learn how to do this. And boy, that is not the case. Anybody listening to this podcast, that is not what you do. Yep. If you want to record, you hook up with the right people. Mm -hmm. And you go to their recording facility if they'll let you. And you make them coffee. And you clean their tape machines like I did, mm-hmm. even though that we don't really do that anymore. Yes, you know you learn that's you learn by doing dude you got to get your hands on and get your you know if you get your feet wet? Let's put it this way: I did not get into a studio to record until my senior year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not shitting on the uh, on the sound engineering program over at Lowell because well, first of all, I could probably piss off the wrong people mm-hmm. but <laughs> but I mean, they do have a lot of excellent teachers there and you know i mean i learned a lot in terms of the business and all that other stuff in performance mm. which they make you minor in well that's
0: that's at least uh, good if, if you them do that major better um, than a lot of others programs
1: no yeah i know that's you know honestly that's what that's what i learned the most in college was during my mm. performance minor stuff that's where i learned a lot about a lot more about theory and shit like that that mm-hmm. believe it or not does help you in For the sure. recording process oh god Totally. So, you know, um, then I, uh, got me a job at, um, a place called Mm. Triad Recording Complex in Warwick, Rhode Island. And that's how it all began. That was 2001.
0: So do you have your own studio now?
1: Sort of. I have a little mixing facility that I, you know, I built on, I built out of an old mud room at my house. You know, I, I, it was a room that never got finished. So I finished it and I made a, you know, soundproofed everything insulated it and and voila here i am and i've been in this freaking room for the last 10 Um, years so it's just a
0: mix facility though you know what i mean it's not you know it's not like a i don't have like a live room or anything like that you know are you doing productions outside of this at other studios do you just mix mostly tell us about what you do between the, the studios
1: i mean primarily right now like 10 years ago my goal was to have mm-hmm. the awesomest yep. studio setup of all time right and so you know time went by and i was doing a lot of mobile recording rigs you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing and i got sick of it dude i, I just i hated you know the whole geriatrics of uh, putting like a mobile rig together carrying it to wherever and recording in some dude's dingy basement mm-hmm. f that so you know i i kind of steered away from that and At the time, it wasn't even my own choice. It was just that um, people loved me for my mix work and my mastering. So, you know, uh, here I am. I'm doing 90% mixing and mastering now. Uh, The other 10%, when I do record and I do produce,
0: I do it in a proper studio. So wherever that may be. We've been using like this example uh, on the podcast of like, you got Steve Albini on one side who just kind of like throws up mics. He's not going to really talk to you about your songs. Maybe tell you if the take's good. Then you have like a John Feldman who fully rewrites your songs when you come in. Where do you see yourself on that scale? (laughs)
1: Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I guess um, I suppose where I suppose it depends on what the client or the band expects of me. It's I guess it's all in what I was hired to do if I'm recording like straight from the top and they want me to also mix and master then I pretty much tell them look I'm assuming the role of producer at this point because I mean within all of that I have I will have enough creative influence to you know I mean obviously you came to me for a reason you know I'm not going to rewrite anybody's songs I never do that but I will absolutely give input as to arrangement like melodies uh, i'll even you know i'll even pick up a, will gu- even have a guitar set up and i'll pick it up and be like try you know try something like this you know if if a band comes to me and says uh we have a couple riffs and we want to make a record with you in october and you know i'll be like no that's i'm not doing that you're going to write your songs and you're going to give me a concept i'm not going to do it for you i i guess i don't offer that as a service however i mean i will take a song critique it recommend an arrangement and you know basically go from there and i will do this mm-hmm. you know pre-pro- pre-production obviously yes. but yeah uh i'm not a big fan of getting to the studio and then starting to write i, I just don't like to work Under, like that uh, i'm right there with you I, I i hate it as a matter of fact I, I, it just makes me feel like the whole project is unprepared there's no concept there's no vision and I don't. Without those
0: two things, mm-hmm. I can't work with. Understood. It, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I hate this. I just realized I'm at no, no, like a stand. No. I mean, but th- I, I think that this but, is one uh, of
0: the things. Is this is like. Uh, something that producers as I do this podcast is like, there's different types of people. And like, there's some people who thrive on wanting to do the input and build that band. And then there's other of us. Like, I don't believe that I have, I will say this. I've never heard a record. I personally enjoy. I'm sure there's records out there that other people enjoy that don't have a lot of thought put into them. And there's, it's just not possible to put that thought in. If you have a few riffs and you come to the studio, it's impossible. I think, I mean,
1: You can't tell me that, for example, you can't tell me that all those Rush albums did not have a concept. They did not have like any kind of premeditated thought. I I mean, sadly, sadly, I think some of that
0: thought was Neil Perp being a little too obsessed with Ayn Rand, but. (laughs) 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 Nice. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But no, you're you're making the right point that, yes, like these great classic records usually have more thought than just I've been sitting in my bedroom and I got a few cool riffs.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's not even the fact that it's classic records. It, it can be yeah, a well, yeah. I made mean, last year. Like, you know? Records
0: people are going to that maybe even become classic. Like that just does not, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, correct. So, yes. No, I
0: hear you. Yep. What do you see yourself yeah, bringing yeah. to records mm-hmm. most often?
1: What do I bring to a record? I guess it depends, again, what I'm hired to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm hired to mix, that's what I bring. If I'm hired to produce, that's what I'll bring. I like to think that I bring a lot more, though, than that. Uh, a lot of my clients tell me that I'm the mm-hmm. most patient person they've ever met. So I do take some pride in that. And they also tell me I'm like one of the most positive people they've ever met too, which, you know, I mean, I, I, don't like to be, I don't like to be a downer. I think that totally kills like creative mood. So I try to be, you know, I try to bring as much positive energy to a recording as I Ice. possibly can. And again, I take a lot of pride in that too, you know, along with the great sound. I mean, obviously all of my audio mm. skills are going to come
0: with me, you know. So, nice. yeah, I guess um, that's about it. What happens when you and a band disagree about something?
1: You know, at the end of the day, dude, I mean, they hired me. And it's their baby. And, you know, if if it was my music, I wouldn't want somebody being like, no, you're going to do it this way. And this song is going to be totally rearranged to my to my liking, you know. I mean, I, I, and I would be mm-hmm. like, well, fuck you, buddy. No, it's, that's not how it's going to be. I mean, I will work with a band. if If I make any kind of recommendation that they don't like, I'm like, look, dude. You hired me to, to interject and give an opinion, and that's what I'm going to do. I mean, if you don't, you, you take my take my word with a grain of salt. And I'm, I'm, I can only recommend, but I'm not going to force you to do anything. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I want them to be happy. And they are, mm-hmm. if they're not happy, I'm not happy. That's the end of the story. I don't want them to pay me unless they get something that they love. And they're going to go and tell you know, XYZ band that, Hey, this dude is really good to work with. You know,
0: he's he's not pushy, but he'll, you know, he'll he'll try and steer nice. you in the right direction. I think vocals are the place where most musicians go wrong these days. Is there anything that you see that's a mistake or something that vocalists can do to get better at what they do? Yeah, they don't fucking sing anymore, dude. I mean, <laughs> every, every band that I've ever done,
1: they have to do. You know, they have to have this. You know, I work a lot with uh, with other producers that send me their mixes to, mm-hmm. to mix and master. Mm-hmm. The way I work, my workflow is the vocals are done last. I, I mm-hmm. build, I build the mix, and then I, and then I put the vocals on top of it, basically. And you know, so many times I will build this mix, and I get so fucking amped about it. I get so mm-hmm. stoked because I'm like, oh my god, dude, this fucking band rules, dude. And then I'll pull up the vocal tracks, mm-hmm. and I'll slap my forehead, <laughs> and I'll be like, oh Jesus. I'm like, yep, that just flushed this mix right down the toilet. But you know, you got to work with it. And you're absolutely right, dude. I mean, people do not care about vocals anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I'm sounding old.
0: <laughs> it's, it's fun. I, th- I think we're, we're if you were in high school '93, '94. I think we're about the same age. So, so oh, yeah. this is just 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 old, old uh, commiseration. So,
1: and dude, I mean, not that I have problems with like screaming, like hardcore vocals. They mm-hmm. absolutely have that place, and they can be cool as shit.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: they can be done wrong. Yeah, they can be done. They can be done shittily, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yep. I mean, let alone singing, you know? Singing, I think primarily a lot of people don't, unless they're like musicians that have been trained, they don't really, they they often don't prepare enough. And I don't think it's any fault of theirs. I think they just don't understand how much they need to prepare. Things like vocal harmonies is, it's just a massive help with all that's like at least touched on
0: before you go in and start recording, you know, a hundred percent agreed. So we have some, some rapid fire kind of questions. Like we'd like to do like four sentences or less on how you feel about some uh, modern production uh, stuff uh, that the kids, you know, all of amp simulators. How do you feel about them?
1: Amp simulators. Well, you know, um, let me answer by saying I never ever rule out anything that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's a amp simulator. I don't care if it's one of those little pocket amps
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> that sounds yep. like total shit mm-hmm. I mean I don't care if it's an axe effects, I don't care if it's a pocket pod um, if, an amp, if an amp modeler sounds bitching then I am all for it um, that being said uh, y- I certainly prefer certain amp modelers over others and mm-hmm. you know honestly I've tried a lot of them in the hopes of you know finding something that that comes close to a real amp, and you know, dude. I'm in today's day and age, it is remarkable how how close they get. You know, man, I, I got to tell you that things like AxeFX, I mean, call me crazy. I know, like all, I, this is. I bet a lot of people are just going to flush their opinions of me right down the toilet when I say this, but <laughs> but the Axe FX and especially the Kemper, mm-hmm. they got this. I swear to God, they got this digital grainy quality to them. Mm-hmm. especially when you start dialing the gain knob.
0: Mm-hmm. That's when I can really hear it. I, to be honest with you, you're, you're, you know, as somebody who interviews producers all day, you're not in the minority on this. Really? This is, this okay. Is, this is, I'm this surprised. Is what, well, this is what most people I think who really have discriminated ears also say. I, I feel the same exact way as you. Dude. The thing is, is that
1: there are probably some cases where like, if you pulled up a mix with, mm-hmm. with say pod farm, Mm-hmm. and then you pulled up a mix the same mix with you know a real guitar amp i probably i mean yeah actually no i'd probably be able to tell the difference but i mean <laughs> i i it would be difficult for me to, to to pinpoint it in five seconds you know what i mean mm. because it's so fucking close i mean it's they're outstanding dude it's incredible the technology that can that that amp modelers have nowadays i mean pod farm is this is another one that people are going to absolutely crucify me for but i mean i love pod farm i think mm. it fucking sounds amazing and that's actually the one amp modeler that i can actually make sound like a real amp Hmm. i i uh the kempers i can i can come close uh the axe effects the Axe FX it kind of bothers me though because like I swear to God every patch has something about it that makes it sound like an Axe FX and I just don't know what it is. I can't mm. put my finger on it, dude. I really yeah, can't.
0: Yeah, there's a color to it. I have the same thing eleven. It's 11? a low no.
1: end that it's a low end quality and a low end reaction to, to, to a guitar.
0: I, I that, see, It's funny. I feel like it's the curve to the high end. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you know, dude. I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it's guess a, that's the thing. it's a feel, dude. It's a mm. feel.
1: I can't pinpoint. That Oh, yeah, it's the low end that's, that's making the sound. It's like, no, it's not it, but it's there's something in there. I don't know. It's a feel. Nice. Um, a, a real amp feels like a real amp, dude. And I'm sorry, but there's just no substitute for standing in front of a full stack and having it rattle your nuts. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, how about sampled drums? Dude, once again, uh, I don't rule anything out. That sounds amazing. I mean, I actually use sampled drums probably a lot more than I use an amp modeler. But, I mean, absolutely to enhance drum tones with samples, I mean, particularly kick drums. I mean, I rarely replace completely mm-hmm. any drums unless, you know, unless, and I've had this happen. I've had, I've had artists and musicians come in and tell me, like, we want, we want the replaced drum sound. I'm like, hey, no problem, dude. And it's amazing how awesome you can make those sound. So, I mean, especially if the samples are done right. But I, you know, dude, I definitely love blending them. And I actually, you'll find in a lot of my recent productions, I absolutely blend. I love to blend snare drums. I love to blend toms, you know, kick drums. It depends on how they recorded. I mean, a lot of people tend to, a lot of people nowadays in recording tend to overlook the tracking of the drums for that very reason. I think that's kind of crippling Hmm. for productions, for, for cool drum productions anyways. I mean, I don't think enough time is taken with, with natural drums. At least, my philosophy was always, I'm not going to sample unless I have to. I mean, sample drums have a certain sound to them, a certain consistency that you can't get with a real drummer. And there's definitely something to be said for that,
0: you know? I'm totally with you. Uh, How about pitch correction?
1: Yeah. I mean, if it's necessary,
0: I absolutely
1: will use it. I am not one of these dudes that'll be like, oh yeah, autotune sucks. Actually, autotune does suck, dude. (laughs) Um, If you plug it in on a track and then expect it to do your work for you, fuck no. Mm. No way, dude. No way. I mean, then it's going to sound... Then it's going to sound like an effect. It's not going to sound like it's pitch correction. You know what I mean?
0: Mm.
1: I'm talking about selective pitch, pitch correction, you know, going in and, oh, this word kind of flies out of tune a little bit. Oh, I can just, you know, I can just nudge this little part of the word back down to where I need it to be, you know, and that I'm sorry, man. I don't care what any of these producers say. I think that's invaluable and it's a massive time saver, especially if you have a take that is gold otherwise, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's it's a fine line to walk, you know. Mm-hmm. How about mastering your own records? I prefer to. I actually, that's one of the first things I tell every band that asks me to mix their record. Mm-hmm. I basically say, "Look, um, I know that I'm not primarily known as a mastering engineer, but I absolutely prefer my own mastering work because I trust my own mastering work. I'm not saying that, you know." the Ted Jensen's of the world are going to fuck my shit up. They mm-hmm. probably won't. In fact, they'll probably enhance it. I just don't know. The thing is I have, I'm a little bit of control freak when it comes to mastering. Cause I've had some, I've had, I've had some very bad experiences with it.
0: I, well, I, I think, you know, um, I had a conversation with ial e. Levy a while back. And like, we were both it's like, you know, there's a certain stage you hit where it's like, I'm nailing exactly what I want. And anybody changing it, like, 50 to 75 percent of the time you got it's it. not always going to be better it's going to just be different it. and it's, it's not just going to be did. different you got it dude and and it's just that thing of like okay well why do <laughs> i need this and you know and then there's some records i sit there and i go you know what i wasn't able to get what i wanted out of this or i worked on this too long i produced it mixed it right right and right, right. yes mm-hmm. let's get somebody else's ear and <laughs> you know they can take it to a d- different level
1: totally dude i hear you but i mean the thing is I mean, it's become more of like a clout thing. It's like, oh well, um, we had this dude mix it, but we had Ted Jensen, who's mastered fucking God only knows how many hit hit records. He's mastering it, so you know it's it's a name thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we'll we'll pay this guy, you know, half of what we paid the, the mixing engineer to master our record just to have his name on it. You know, mm-hmm. that, I hate to say it, dude, but a lot of a lot of clients I've had, that's exactly what they do, and that's exactly why they do it.
0: Yeah, I, 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 think, oh, you're, I think you're exactly right on this. I've
1: had, I've had clients send shit out to be mastered and then have them tell me, we liked yours better. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, dude, why? And I can't blame them, dude. They want the best, mm-hmm. they want the best result. Of course, I understand that. That's, I mean, I, I get it. I've even, had, I've even thought of sending my own shit out to be mastered. Mm-hmm. By someone else, just to get, like you said, a fresh set of ears on it. You know, well, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not the smartest thing
0: at all. You know, all the time. Uh, right there with you. How long does it usually take for you to do a mix and a master for a song?
1: Uh, let's say that all the tracks are edited properly. They're not all over the place. They're not too tight, but they're not. You know, they're also not. They don't sound like you know sneakers in a dryer. If everything is where it should be, and I don't need to do any pitch correction. I don't need to do any hardcore editing. I don't need to do any uh, reamping. If I just pull up a mix and it's all there, shit, man, I can do a song in a day. Nice. Although I should say two days because I do like to sit with it for Mm. at least a day, you know, just to make sure my ears aren't, tricking me or something you know which yeah. does does absolutely
0: happen by the way I, I i think that that's one thing while they may not trick you every time they're going to trick you at times so having oh, yeah, that they built it in, having mm-hmm. that day built into run safety on yourself is a great mm-hmm. thing
1: yep i mean that's one song i mean for a album mm-hmm. or even an ep anywhere yeah. from a week to two weeks it, it that's like you know that's uh assuming a lot of
0: things Nice. Yeah. So what's a good le- lesson you've learned from another producer? Oh, my God. I've learned so much from other
1: producers. You mean ones that I've spoken with or, or uh, worked uh, with? Uh, or uh, do you uh, mean? Anything. Anything. Oh, my God, man. The list is endless. Um, Let, let's, let's get some good ones. I mean, shit. I mean, I have plenty of producers out there that I idolize. Mm-hmm. So... But we're going, to get I, it, we're going
0: to get into that next. Right, so.
1: right. Well, w- w- I'm just saying when I come across a mix that I'm just in awe of, I will study it like mm-hmm. I will pick it apart, <laughs> you know, with my ears over and over and over and over. You know, the thing is, is that when I listen analytically like that or critically, whatever you want to call it, I tend to not even hear the music, which is freaky. I know that's kind of weird to say, but, you know, I'm just hearing instruments and I'm hearing instrument balance. Mm-hmm. What was the question again? <laughs> good, <laughs> lesson,
0: good lesson you've learned from another producer.
1: You know, it's like, it's like where, what do you want to be dominant in a mix? And what do you want to be in the background as more of like psychoacoustic effect? You know what I mean? And I, I think that is probably the biggest thing. It's, it's balance. Mm. It's, um, it's, it's balancing the low end to the high end and vice versa. You know, it's making, it's making the instruments react with one another, you know, like the kick drum with the bass, the bass with the, you know, the high end of the bass with the guitar, et and so forth. I mean, those are the things that I pull from other producers for sure. Nice. Or I should say mix engineers. Production mm-hmm. is a totally different story, you know. Tell me about one of the best moments you've had in the studio. Although this is going to sound like the worst moment, but it actually turned into the best moment. Okay. This goes back to when I was working at that, at my first, my very first recording job, which I look back onto with much fondness. And it's going to sound like the worst thing ever, but here it goes. I mean, I recall working with this band. um, This was early 2000s. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, the studio I was working at was still recording on the two-inch tape. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, getting rather late at night. You probably know where this is going, by Mm -hmm. the way. you know, we were all super tired. Mm -hmm. You know, the band had... You know, more than a couple of beers in them, and I—I I probably did too. You know, <laughs> but, but um, you know, the belt, the band, they, they felt like they had one more track in them. So I'm like, dude, let's let's go for one more. I mean, the worst thing is going to happen was we fucking do it again tomorrow. You know what the hell? So I queued up what I thought was a blank tape. You know, virgin tape. You know, that's what you got to do. Yep. You know, rewinded it and started tracking. You know, an hour later, after a couple of really awesome basic tones takes. I went to bounce them down a rough of all the of all the shit we did that day mm-hmm. and there was a song missing and I'm like what the fuck where is this song it's got to be somewhere here and you know after about an hour of searching this point it's fucking late at night dude. we're all like toasted mm-hmm. I'm like where the hell is this tape and I'm looking all over the goddamn studio for it and I'm like what the fuck happened and then I realized that I actually I actually taped over one of the one of the songs that was like just a fucking awesome take, you know? Mm. That the band really struggled to get and they were just the best moment is now coming. It's the it's the moment when I had to go up to them with my tail between my legs and say, guys, um I erased your shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what, dude? And you're like, how the hell I know what you're I know what you're saying to yourself. You're saying to yourself, how the fuck is this the best moment in his career? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> Bear with me. It's because now I am a incredible Nazi when it comes to labeling and organization, mm-hmm. and that goes for any session I'm doing, whether it's production, mixing, mastering, you name it. And it all started that day. From mm-hmm. that day forward, I became a Nazi about it. Um, I mean, making notes, having like a having like a notepad near you when you're when you're setting shit up, uh, labeling, organizing tracks, and you know. Things like when you, it goes for mixing too. I mean, things like, you know, when you pull up a, a VSTI mm-hmm. and you print it down, it gets labeled and you make notes in, in the DAW that you got it from this synth and it is this patch number and it's mm-hmm. tweaked this way and had these effects on it. And I, I'm crazy like that. I color code everything like you fucking read about, dude. I'm just, I, I make sure I'm incredibly organized to make sure I don't lose anything. <laughs> It sounds trivial, dude, but it's huge.
0: No, I I, 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 it I'm right there with you. You know, it was, it was very funny to add to your point. Is I can remember when I first started working it. I was working under uh, Alan Douches, and I oh was yeah, c- dude, he's
1: a talented dude, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, one, one of the greatest people I've ever known. And uh, yep. mm-hmm. Alan would tell me, um, you know, I was like kind of getting frustrated. I'd been working for him for a while, but he was really just like not trusting me to engineer or even run the tape machine, and. <laughs> it was really, like, really funny. And was, I understand that. And it was like that funny thing of like, I'm wanting more, I'm wanting more responsibility because I'm starting out. Yes, and, of uh, course. Absolutely. Wow, and dude. he tells me the thing is he's like, he said it, he's, like, uh, he's like, I will never, ever trust somebody until they've erased a vocal because- you then until you race your yeah. Until you race it again, and it's, it it kind of goes that same saying, like uh oh yeah, you know, a carpenter doesn't cut off his uh, finger the first time he cuts it off when he gets overly confident. <laughs> you got it dude and i think that that is the uh the reoccurring thing here and then it it, it is a funny thing because i find the same thing now as somebody who employs a bunch of people to work for me at times is like yeah until yeah. you've made a really shitty mistake you're probably you're gonna make that at one point and i don't really want you making it with under my watch <laughs>
1: no 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 <laughs> please don't yeah
0: oh yeah especially when you know
1: i mean back then it,
0: you know it was all about studio
1: hours too you mm-hmm. know and i mean it's like you know, the studio manager at the time, who was also an engineer, he's like, dude, you just wasted fucking, you know, X amount of dollars here. And yeah. unfortunately, you're going to have to work with them for free again mm. until they get whatever they got, whatever they lost, you know? Totally. And, you know, I'm like, dude, if that's all I got to do to make up for that mistake, then I, then I consider myself lucky because I, I
0: felt like an asshole. I really did. I'm like, dude, this sucks. Yeah, I I, I I I I totally with you. So you kind of told the best and the worst moment story there in uh, Yes, long. So, yes I did. So, so, I did. So, so,
1: but you know dude, it, it it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I've been in situations where I've almost lost shit and it's not it's because I'm such a backup Nazi. Mm. You know. I, and, I think you made a great although, point about that even, VSTI
0: thing too that yeah, I man, think that's oh, a lot of people p- things that yeah. I, you know i do a lot of pop music and i really hate that there's like that thing of like i don't get that when i'm like oh man you know we really need to just like we decided to change the key of the last chorus and oh, yeah, dude. oh yeah i wish i could just have this and now it's like i have to redo everything in the midi now yep.
1: and man it's a time saver too when you get into yeah. that situation yeah it
0: really it really and, is a great pro tip
1: oh yeah dude and backing up i can't mm-hmm. stress enough because the volatility of hard drives, and I just experienced this, I, f- I fucking lost. Like I had a hard drive shit to bed not long ago, and I lost, like, I lost a, few, a few projects that I may not have necessarily needed, mm-hmm. but I certainly did not want to lose. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I, I just thank God. It was nothing that I was working on at the time. I mean, unfortunately, I did have one of the clients tell me that they needed some of the tracks, so I had to go in and I had to actually re-record a bunch of synth tracks myself. Hmm. Wow, so yeah, oh, it was it was a nightmare, but I mean, even with my backup Nazism, that still happened. Wow. so I mean, I just I, it's something
0: I can't stress enough uh, I, i'm I'm with you. So with that, let's get into some of your personal taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah T- tell me about three of your favorite producers of all time. Oh, geez, that's actually an easy one. Mm-hmm. But I
1: gotta start with first and foremost, uh, Frederick Nordstrom. Um, that guy has been an inspiration to me ever since I first heard his work with, like, shit like At The Gates and Duma Borger. Mm. He's really the reason I got started in in production, to be honest with you.
0: Because
1: mm. I just hear his his fucking over-the-top theatrical work. And it's like, how does he fit all this in two speakers? I can't understand it. And it's like, it's always, even nowadays... When I, you know, I know a lot more about how, it, how everything works, it still boggles my mind some of the shit that guy can do. Nice. Oh, my God. Listening to Death Call Armageddon, that, mm. that album in particular, man, it sounds like you're listening to a fucking Star Wars movie, man. It's so awesome. <laughs> nice. It's so cool, dude. But, yeah, absolutely breathtaking. Everything is just so crystal clear. Who else we got? I guess next on the list would be, um, may not be familiar with him, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you, you've heard his work at least once, and it, that's uh, Randy
0: Stubb. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, come on, Metallica black album. A, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. the list is fucking yeah. endless. I mean, yeah, he's like, he's really one of the best in the game. And every time I read about one of his techniques, I'm like, really? That's what he does, <laughs> or is he trolling yeah, us? No, dude. Like the MXR I know. limiter pedal and the room mic and right, all that right, stuff. Right, 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 right. Like you're like, is this a troll or is this for real? Then you got to figure it's real I, because he I just have, gets tones that no one else gets.
1: Dude, I bet one million dollars that it's 100 percent legit because mm. i mean you see interviews with the guy and he looks like he's just so not down to earth well i'm sure he is he actually does look like he's kind of down to earth but you know he's so unassuming you know what i mean it's like this guy is not the kind of dude that would that would send us all for a loop you know no <laughs> yeah. i mean we've all heard his work and it's fucking i mean even with like nickelback Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. a bit, there's a band I I probably wish I didn't mention in this podcast but <laughs> You, you want what's dude, really I funny? This is love. The,
0: this is the third pro, uh podcast in a row that I've taped for people to profess their admiration for the Nickelback. Uh, dude, I don't
1: I don't give a shit. I, <laughs> no. I I bought those records so I could hear it, you know, on lossless audio. Mm. You know, I mean it's it's incredible. Like, yeah, the songs are fucking dorky as hell, but holy shit, dude. Speaking of theatrical sound, it's like Wow, it's like everything just crushes, and I understand that a lot. You know, some of it's going to have something to do with the mastering, mm-hmm. and their budget is probably just you know fucking unlimited. Yes, at this point, with all the goddamn hits they've had, so I mean, they have they have the buying power of the best on the planet. So, but you know. It's just insane, the sound that's mm. on some of those records. And, you know, the Allison Chains records he did, oh, my God, they sound so good, dude. Wait, wait, so, so,
0: good. so which ones did he do?
1: Black Gives Way to Blue, that's the recent mm. one. I don't think he did Dirt. Did he do Dirt? Um, I don't know. I don't
0: know. That's Dave Jordan. Is, uh, dirt. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably confused. I
0: can't believe I remember that. Jeez. But I mean, Motley
1: Crue, Dr. Feelgood, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, because he was with Bob Rock for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I
1: mean, Black Album, obviously, it's you know, it's unparalleled. He did, um, you know, Load Reload, mm-hmm. all those records, which I mean, yeah, not the best, but they still sound fucking awesome. I mean, the kick drum, I think, sounds better on that than it does on the Black Album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he definitely be up, right up there with Frederick Nordstrom, if not higher. You know, give me, so give me one more. Well, most recently, I've been really into this record by Rob Zombie called uh, Regeneration. <laughs> mm-hmm. i forget what the hell the name of it is
0: i don't Venomous know what you mean rat now.
1: regeneration vendor that's what it is mm-hmm. um his name is Chev- uh, kevin Chirko. Mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that newest rob zombie record he did is probably one of the most amazing records i've heard pretty much ever <laughs> i mean it does help that i'm a huge rob zombie fan too But I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure his responsibilities were primarily mixing on that one. But I mean, oh my God, it sounds just so, the stereo image is so huge. And I mean, he's very popular. He's another one that you have heard his mixes, even though you may not know it. I I know, I don't know the name, but I've never done a lot of investigation. And now I'm going to have to do that after we get off. Kevin Cherko, it's with a K at the end there. It's, I mean, you'll be like, oh, oh, oh really? He did that? Oh, really? And it's like, wow, I fucking love the way that sounds. You know what I mean? But, yeah, he's, he's definitely another one that you probably heard that you just don't know about. And it's, I definitely look, look up to his work, and especially recently.
0: Nice. Yep. Okay, so let's get into uh, what's a, a perfect record that somebody else has made, and what about it makes it perfect?
1: i probably have to go with uh, Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction. Mm, that, that one's come up before. That one is, it's, I don't know, man. I mean, it's produced so thoroughly. and But yeah, the thing is, is, like they kept it raw. But it's still produced so amazingly. I mean, the vocals sit perfectly. The vocal effects are so subtle that you don't even know they're there, but you know they're there. You know what I mean? You don't hear them until you listen for them kind of thing. And that, to me, if you can do that, that's fucking slick mixing. You mm, know what I mean? I that's agree. That's slick production. I mean, the, the drums are just probably the best drum sound. Probably one of my favorite drum sounds of all time is, is on that record. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that was without any blending of any kind mm-hmm. that was 92 been, yeah so, so it would have been, been right about
0: the area that they could like use the uh S5, the, thousand, yeah or whatever yep. yeah the <laughs> yeah.
1: ar-16s there yeah which by the way i love those things i actually still use those sounds nice. this day nice i fucking love them man i mean it's they're classic and you know sometimes classic shit works but yeah dude what a masterpiece in terms of songwriting sound and feel and I mean by that time Megadeth became amazing songwriters they became amazing in terms of arrangement and that just gets overlooked so much mm. in today's music I think I understand that arrangement has changed like mm-hmm. you know, choruses aren't so much of an important thing you know amount of verses ha- has drastically decreased and things like bridges have increased you know what I mean mm-hmm. But I just love it. It's so awesome. Nice. Yeah. and I mean, I mean that. This is all forgetting the musicianship too. I mean, it's it's fucking awesome. It's 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 a five star record. As nice. you know, friends
0: would say. Yeah. Uh, tell me about five of your favorite records and how they uh, shaped your musical growth.
1: Not many people on this podcast are going to know who this is, but Merciful Fate. I, 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 I know very well personally. Okay, <laughs> good. I mean, uh, King Diamond. He's a uh, he's one of my idols. I don't mm-hmm. care. And fuck you to everybody is, is what say, uh, to that. I mean, there was a record, one of his least popular records, called "In the Shadows." Mm-hmm. Um, it came out in '93, and which is that was the record that got me into extreme music. Mm. I first heard it. I fucking hated it. I thought it sucked. I thought it like. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous i thought his vocals were ridiculous yeah but i think that's most for people's some first reason impression. oh yeah dude everybody hates it when they first hear him i mean <laughs> i mean it's it's bizarre you know i but i i don't know for some reason i listened more and more because i what grabbed me was the guitar work and i was like oh my god this is awesome and at the time i was very into guitar and learning about guitar so i i listened more and more and i'm like as i listen more and more the melodies he was doing on his vocals actually sold me on his vocals. And, you know, all the, speaking of theatrics, Jesus Christ, he's like the definition of theatrical. And that, that album actually started a downward spiral for me into <laughs> the realm of metal, for better or for worse. <laughs> nice. So, you know, I mean, and, you know, here we are today. It's still my favorite band. I don't care what anyone says. Mm. Fuck off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them for sure. Uh, Strapping Young Lad, City. Mm-hmm. That record is incredibly important to me because it's, um, the production is so over the top and almost to a fault. I mean, it sounds like at some points that record sounds like a nightmare. It really does. (laughs) It's like, it sounds like you're having a fucking nightmare because there's so much sound, but it's just so it's, um, it, it sold me on the whole industrial vibe. And I, from then on, I've been into the whole industrial sound. Um, even though it's probably not considered so much of an industrial band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Sure. I don't know. Maybe not, but I mean, back then they they definitely were. Their electronic shit was was all over their first two records. That made me very uh, prone to inject that kind of feel into a lot of the music, not only that I write, but a lot of the music that I produce too. Hmm. So I got to list that as a incredibly influential record for me. Rush, Hemispheres. I mean, I don't really need to say anything more about Rush, you know. I mean, I had a hard time narrowing down exactly which uh, Rush album. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I had to go with that one just because I just love the way it's written. I love the way it's produced. And, again, fuck you if you don't like his vocals. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I i you're saying fuck you to me that, that is not my fuck you to you this, yeah. it's I, I, I'm, I'm general I, populace uh, yeah. you know I mean? I, i'm one of those people that, that it just it's, doesn't do it for me
1: yeah oh yeah it's the proverbial fuck you it's definitely not directed at you dude yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <Totally>. <laughs> who else we got Um uh, mashuga chaos fear
0: oh yeah what a great record
1: that record and man there's just so many people that don't even regard that era of mashuga mm. as part of mashuga because of the whole fucking do I dare say it, gent thing. Yes, yes. I just want to, I want to smash everything when I hear people say that. I just want to kill everybody because, I mean, I'm like, dude, it's the whole gent era that made me not really, that made those newer records by Meshuggah not as important to me. Hmm. I mean, I hate to say it. It's... And you're really going to be, you're going to say, oh, you're going to let some douchebag in his basement, you know, influence what records you listen to. Yeah. If there are not, if enough of a douchebag, yeah. By association, I don't want to be associated with him. Like Jesus Christ. But yeah, dude, that, that record is
0: so good. Oh my God. It's, it's. I like, I like all their records pretty much equally. They always are just like, just just such a interesting listen and just so good.
1: Love it. I love it, dude. Yeah. But I mean, that record, I mean, above all stands out, I think. And it's going to be weird for me to say this because I just got done explaining how I don't really appreciate screaming vocals as much as I would have back in the day. But I love his vocals on that record. Mm. I absolutely do. I think they are so intense. And I think the last few Meshuggah records didn't have that intensity hmm. because he was, you know, he's singing from his throat now more so than his gut. And, you know, that's another thing I don't really care for is, is the throat screamer's because you can tell them a mile away. Yep. First of all, you have to turn up the gain on your preamp like all the way <laughs> in order in order to like to get like a strong enough signal. You get a you get a gut singer mm-hmm. that's screaming from their gut and dude, you have to like Gosh. put a pad on your mic, you know
0: what I mean? It's yeah. clear as day. It's also the difference. I think like a lot of people don't get this too, when they're starting to, to do screaming that when they're like, man, I don't know how that guy screams all day. It's like, well, yeah. they learned how to do it and you don't pull your voice you all the it. time if you do it from your gut, but your throat yeah. only has, is not much of a muscle. Your gut's a lot of muscle if you're, oh, if yeah, you yeah. practice it. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Plus, I mean, uh, after a while, I'm sure you develop some type of, you know, some type of muscle endurance for it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Totally. I mean, how else can these dudes go like an hour doing that shit? I yeah. mean, Randy Blythe, for example, the Lamb, Lamb of God, he could do that shit for 13 hours a day because he's a throat singer. He doesn't. Mm. He doesn't sing. He doesn't scream from his gut. Mm-hmm. Give me one more record in your musical growth. I'm sure you haven't heard of these guys. They're called Throne of Chaos, and I have not. The, the album is called Pervertigo. Uh It is a Frederick Nordstrom production, and it is probably, in terms of production, one of my hugest influences in terms of like guitar bass drum balance Mm -hmm. sorry guitar bass drum vocal balance Mm -hmm. that record is so pummeling but yet it translates so so completely on like any system you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know i guess beyond that i just love the guitar sound love the drum sound nice and you know it's like it didn't occur to me until recently that he did blend drums on that, but it's so transparent that I didn't even realize it. That's
0: that's, that's impressive if you can do that. That's awesome. I look forward to listening to this tonight on my uh, bike ride. Dude, Pervertigo. It's called Pervertigo. It's so awesome. I cannot recommend it enough. So uh, what's your favorite record of recent times and what inspires you about it?
1: Uh, Rob Zombie, dude. Oh yeah, uh, You're same. Rat regeneration vendor. I mean that that record. Uh, I think I've already said what inspires me about it, but I mean, let's put it this way. I mean, the the drums are totally sampled, if not completely replaced, and I just don't understand how he made them sound so awesome. Hmm. <laughs> they sound so fucking pummeling. I mean, I mean that along with the guitar sound, uh, you know. And I, I I can't believe I'm saying this for a Rob Zombie record, but the musicianship is awesome too. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard, I've never heard. I've never heard them have things like Hammond mm. screaming in the background and shit like that. And, you know, it, the opening song on the record has, like, amazing B3 work. And I'm just like, where the fuck is this coming from? Dude, this is a Rob Zombie record.
0: That's funny. I can't handle this. That's
1: really funny. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, I mean, the vocal effects are so awesome. They're so slick, and they're so cool, and it makes this whole overall, like, spooky vibe to it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And the songs are fucking awesome, too. So, I mean, there's another band that's grown as arrangement artists, Mm. you know? So, lastly, uh, what have you been working on lately? Band called Abnormality. They're a death metal band. Just got done with them for Metal Blade. Before that, I worked with a band called Parkway Drive. Mm -hmm. I did the mix on their newest one. That one, I'm so fucking happy with, dude. I just could not be more stoked. Nice. I mean, they were such... They were such awesome dudes to work with. I gotta say. Mm. I mean, they they were they were so appreciative. And you know, I gotta hand it to Epitaph too. Mm. They were incredibly appreciative. And what they really Epitaph, man, I gotta say, they really defy what you would think of when you think
0: of major label. Yeah. Well, even though I'm not sure. No, they no, they're, they're, they're they're considered the largest indie label in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Epitaph is technically. I mean, the, the, you know, the, he really came up with the. Model for a label. label yeah. different thing. I, 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 I actually had a chapter in my last book that I scrapped about how much they changed what we see today in DIY culture. But okay. uh, it really is it really is amazing what they do over there. Okay. Go on with your point, though.
1: I mean, you know, shit like, I don't know if you heard about what happened to the ghost inside this band. I did. I mean, did oh, I did, my yeah, God. Dude, yeah. They they had yeah. a near-death experience. And mm-hmm. I know one of the guys was unfortunate enough to lose his, lose his leg up to his ankle or something it's 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 a horrific situation to even think about and you know epitaph in a classy classy move they were like you know we're gonna we're gonna pretty much
0: yeah just give all the proceeds, yeah, we're gonna give the all proceeds from, from
1: your records to you directly 100 percent of them mm-hmm. indefinitely i mean yep fucking i doubt you're gonna see sony doing that or or roadrunner yeah. you know what i mean
0: well, I, I think time and time again, Brett Gurrowitz shows the right way labels to do things. Oh God, and that that was totally it.
1: Man, I, I just can't say enough nice things about them, really. But yeah, I mean, Parkway Drive. So what else? Uh, before that, there's a uh, there's a young lady called Mary Millman that I worked with, and she's an Israeli chick. You might know her from a band called System Divide. Um, she did all the female local work on those records, um, but she's you know branched off and she's doing her own pop stuff now and i you know i did a lot of uh, synth production on her most recent thing and i did the mix and master for her too and I, it was just such a privilege to work with her because she she's one of those vocalists where it's like you, you turn on the vocal track and it's like oh my god it's like there's no compression or or eq or effects or anything on it and it sounds just so syrupy and so so awesome that's awesome oh my god restored my faith in vocalists you know nice <laughs> nice
0: If you enjoyed this episode please remember the golden rule of the internet that if you enjoy something you got for free please tweet facebook share or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that please check out noise creators website and take a look around we have tons of interviews discographies spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service if you are unsure about who your band should work with we can help you get the best producer fit for your record to keep up with us follow at noise creators on twitter instagram soundcloud tumblr or facebook This podcast can also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at jessecannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going.